Well, people go to church for a lot of different reasons. For many people, when you say the word church, they think about maybe a building or this one-hour event. If you're going to ask somebody to come with you, what do you ask them? Hey, you want to go to church with me? What time does church start? Where do you go to church? Let's stop by the church. But when you open up the Bible and you start to read about all of the things that the writers of the Bible had to say about the church, you see something that's completely different than the way a lot of us may view it today. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, please raise your hand. The ushers will give you one of those. It's yours to keep if you would like a Bible, or you can borrow it and leave it in the back on the way out. All the scriptures that I read will also be displayed on the screens. You can follow along on there if you would like. Well, welcome to LifePoint today. If you're here for the first time, my name is Donnie Williams. I'm one of the pastors here, and I would love to meet you down front after the service. Just come down and say hello. I'll be down there along with a couple of other pastors just to greet you. We've been in the series called The Story, and the story is an attempt to take out the core stories of Scripture and go from beginning, the beginning of time all the way till the end of time, and uh, I would like to make a prediction. We are about four weeks from the end of time right now. I'm confident that's, that's what's going to happen in four weeks. But we've looked at the Old Testament and how God interacted with people, and, and we looked at how they needed something greater than these earthly kings, and so Jesus came on the scene, and we talked about Jesus' ministry and learned about that, and then, and then this, this horrible thing happened. People killed Jesus, and then this amazing thing happened. Jesus rose from the dead, and last week we learned that that people actually started to respond and believe because of the testimony of the people who saw Jesus alive, people started to believe it happened and that Jesus really was the answer to what they were searching for in life. And one of the, the apostles stood up and said, you need to change. And they said, how do we do it? And 3,000 people in one day accepted the message of Christ. And so today's segment of the story is about what those 3,000 people did. Imagine that. I mean, our church has grown a lot in the last six months, 10 months, 12 months, if you go back. We, we've grown about double the size that we used to be. But can you imagine 3,000 people? I mean, we've got double what we used to, and we're scrambling to try to figure out what to do next. And should we add a service? Should we, well, how should we do this? Should we just go ahead and run a few people off now so we can have some more seats? I mean, <laughs> we're just trying to figure that out. But can you imagine 3,000 people showing up in one day? And so all these people had to do something. And we have this great example in the Bible of, of what the church did. And yet today we, we see the church in different ways, a lot like you saw on the screen. Some people see the church as like a movie theater. Hey, I go to a movie and I pay, my, pay the price for the ticket, the inflated price, and I buy the expensive popcorn and Cokes. And after I've spent 200 bucks and my family go in the movie, it better be good. It took some effort to get there, so it better be good. And maybe some of you showed up here today thinking, this better be good because I'm missing something and it better be an hour and it better be good. And some people see church like a restaurant. After church today, most of us, many of us will go out to a restaurant and we'll eat lunch. And I have some criteria when I go to a restaurant. One, it needs to be clean. Uh, the person working the counter or touching my food needs to have gloves on. That's a big deal to me. 
and I better like the food that comes to me because I'm paying for it. So I, I need to have it the way I ordered it, the way I want to have it. And some people come to church with the same attitude of, hey, I better, this better be good. I, be, I better get what I ordered. I better get what I was hoping for. And then some people come to church like we go up to the gas station and fill up. My car doesn't get great gas mileage at all. Can anybody sympathize with me? It's like, it's not good. It's like 14, 15 miles a gallon. So I feel like I'm always going back to fill up. But I have this way of filling up. I fill up when the little light says it's empty. Well, not actually. It's not when it says it's empty. My wife's saying, you are lying. You fill up way after the light says it's empty. And it's true. So I'm driving along and I know I can get about 28 miles out of the little orange light. Uh, It's got to be below the E. And then I'll go fill up. And some people are like that with church. Some people think, well, I got to go get something. I'm feeling a little low, a little down. Maybe I get some songs that are going to lift me up. Maybe I'm going to get a message. Maybe I'll get to laugh a little bit. My kids will have fun, get away from them for an hour. And then maybe I'll be full for a few more weeks. And next month when I need it again, I'll come back. But as we look at the book of Acts, And what's written down about the first century church, we see anything but our perceptions of church today. The book of Acts was written by a guy named Luke, who was a lot like us. He learned about Jesus because somebody told him. And he was so convinced that Jesus was who he said he was, he set about to write out things about him and interview people. So the gospel of Luke in the New Testament is not because he was there, it's because he interviewed the people who were there. The book of Acts, he interviewed people. He experienced some of that, and then he wrote it all down. So after all of those people decided they were going to follow Christ, the church was born. And if we could transport one of those people here today, and they would look at our church, they would probably drive around the city and wonder, why is the word church on all these buildings? I don't understand because the church is not a building. And let's read in Acts chapter 2 what Luke says about the church. It says, this is right after, it says God added to their number. It says 3,000 people accepted the message. And then it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That sounds like an exciting thing to be a part of. And I've actually had people ask me, where is that church? I'm looking for that church that you read about in the Bible. The church that the purpose was for them to be a representation of the body of Christ on earth. That's what the church is. Not a place that you go, not a building that you build, but a group of people who became the hands and feet and message of Christ 
to those who desperately needed to hear it. So here's what this short little section in the book of Acts about the church, that this is what it says about the church, and this is how it reveals what the church was intended to be. So if you're taking notes, write these points down. The church is a community of people seeking God. It says so right there. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Well, what was the apostles' teaching? Well, the apostles' teaching would have been Jesus Christ, the Messiah, came to earth to pay the penalty for our sins so we can receive his forgiveness and his grace and now live guilt-free, now live in spite of our mistakes, and now live as a forgiven person saved by his grace. That's what the message was. And so they devoted themselves to that. Not that they just read it and got information, but they devoted themselves to what the apostles taught to the extent that it changed, it radically changed the way that they lived. It changed the way they made decisions. It changed how they interacted with people at work. It would have changed how they would have interacted with their family and their spouses at home. It would have changed the way they handled disappointment. It would have changed the way they handled their finances. It would have radically altered every part of their life. My grow group meets once a week. And if you're not in a grow group, it's just a, a group of, of three to five people who get together, uh, gender specific, and open up God's word. And, and really what we're asking is two questions every week. What does God's word say? And what am I going to do about it? That's what the first century church was doing. What are the apostles telling us? Because they didn't have the advantage of reading it, so they had to listen to what these people were telling them. And then they had to make a decision, what am I going to do about it? So the church was clearly a community of people who were together seeking God. The church is also a community of people sharing life. See, their faith brought them together in a relationship. Their faith was the reason all of them were together, and their faith is a great example to us as to why we should be engaged in a community of people who share our faith, which is why the closest relationships in our life should be with people who have the same faith as us. You can't seclude yourself off from people who don't, or else no one else would be able to hear the message of Christ. But the closest relationships in our life should be with people who share our faith, because that's where growth happens. And I hear a lot of people say to me, the other staff, we really want to grow. And I'm assuming because more and more people are coming to our church, it's because you really want to grow. And these people in the first century shared their life. They weren't alike. There were rich and poor people sharing lives together. There were slaves and free people sharing lives together. There were educated and uneducated people sharing lives together, but what united them was their faith in a risen Lord, and it brought everyone together. And when you share life with people who share your faith, there's a lot less to complain about. And I have to, I have to, I brag on you all the time. When I'm with other pastors and they're telling me about their complainers, people who complain to them and their complaining churches, I get to say, my church is horrible at complaining. 
Of course, people offer constructive feedback. Have you thought about doing this differently? Hey, what about this? That, that's not complaining. That's just, hey, if you thought about this, maybe it'd make things better. And sometimes you're right. And it does. But we don't have to deal with, because you're such a great group of people, rarely do people come and just complain. Every now and then. But this is stories I hear. People actually come into their pastor and going, I'm just not growing. I'm just not growing. I just want to grow. Come and say that to me. We can have a great conversation. <laughs> Maybe that's why nobody comes. Because I Bring it on. Just come on up and say that to me. People who follow Christ that start complaining about the fact they're not growing, it would be like if you joined a gym. Have you seen that new fitness center gym they're building on Falls of News just right down there. It's like huge. Google that and just look at what's going to be there. It's going to be impressive. It's going to be inspirational. You're going to walk in there and whatever it costs a month for some of you, you're going to pay it because look at it. But so what if you join that and then six months later, you're like, I'm the same size I was when I joined it. <laughs> a year later, it's like nothing's gone. I still look the same. And you go to the gym manager and you say, I'm just not getting in shape. Oh, that's too bad. Well, how's, how's the elliptical been working? Oh, I haven't done that. Well, how about the classes that, that you've been taking with the instructors? Oh, I haven't done any of those. Well, how about like uh, the cycling class? You do that? No, I don't do that either. Oh, you must be a treadmill person. No, I don't do that. I just come here because this is an awesome place. <laughs> and they have, they have childcare. They have televisions and swimming pools. And I just love it. The manager would say, but hey, you got to do these exercises if you're ever going to get in shape. And these people in the first century, when we read about their church, it's so inspiring because they actually did the things required to grow. Growth doesn't just happen. Grace is given, forgiveness is given, but growth in Christ doesn't just pop up. It's something you have to apply effort towards. It won't just happen. And what happens, like last week, there were people that came to, came to accept Christ for the first time. And right here on stage, if you were here, you saw them follow Christ in baptism. And immediately, they should have been, they better be connected to a ministry. And somebody on staff's going to pull them aside and say, hey, you need to do this. And, and this will help you really understand the grace that you've been given and live in it. See, when babies are born, they're very demanding. If you haven't had a kid yet, trust me. They're not just demanding when they're babies, but they're the most demanding when they're babies. Because you have to feed them. They, they, they don't say, hey, I would like some food now. They just go, wah, you know, you got to figure out. They don't say, my bottom's a little wet and dirty. Could you, could you take care? They don't say that. You got to inspect. Remember that? Nasty. You got to figure it out. But at one point, they grew a little bit, and you could put a Cheerio on the tray, and they would go and finally figure out, have nose, ear, whatever, and put it in their mouth, and they would figure out, oh, that, I'd, and then they just keep doing it, and they learn how to feed themselves. And then one day, you don't, have to, you don't have to put a diaper on them anymore. They start going to the bathroom by themselves, and the whole world celebrates, and the family has a party. <laughs> and then when they start going and sitting on the toilet for themselves, there's this one moment where they'll say, Dad, could you come in? And Dad, you just have to say, look, you've got to take care of that on your own. Right? I'm not doing that, okay? 
you got to learn to do that. I'm not doing this for you, okay? I'm going to show you once, and from here on out, this is your responsibility. So a lot of times people spiritually are the same way. They're like, feed me, take care of me, feed me, take care of me. But when you look at the church in the first century, I don't think they were doing that. I think they were showing up in awe that God could actually forgive them of their sins and that they were actually allowed to be entered into the kingdom of God because of the forgiveness and the grace of Christ. And they just lived every day together saying, can you believe? Can you believe I don't have to live with guilt? Can you believe I don't have to live with shame? See, the church is a community of people who share life together and grow together. Another thing this tells us about the church is the church was, a church is a community of people living generously. They lived generously. It says that they, if, if you look at the scripture, bring that slide back up with the scriptures on it. It says, they devoted themselves in the apostles' teaching, and then it says to fellowship, sharing meals, and to prayer. The next verse, that's the wrong one. Next, sorry, put the wrong one in there. Next one. It's coming. There we go. They sold their property and possessions and shared money with those in need. They were generous with each other. When they saw people who didn't have food, you know what they did? They got them food. When they saw people who didn't have the basic necessities of life, it was the church that came together and said, this shouldn't be. And if I have to sell something out of my abundance to help someone who can't have the basic needs in life, then that's what I'm going to do. And the church came together and they lived generously and they did that. They did whatever it took. And if you continue reading through the book of Acts, it wasn't long until there were so many needs, legitimate needs of people not having the basic necessities of life they got organized and they started, then started bringing the, the money to the apostles and saying, look, you figure out where this needs to go because we know there are people with need. And here we are 2,000 years later operating in much the same way. You're generous. Leaders of the church figure out, well, what's the most effective way that we can use this generosity? And it wasn't just with their money they were generous. They served each other because to them, service wasn't an hour a week. And I wish I could figure out a better way to describe what we do when we meet three times on Sunday than saying, this is our service time. This is not our service time in the real sense of the word. This is the time we gather together and we worship together. Serving takes place outside of this room, not here. And they would have served each other daily. It would have been their life. And when people on the outside started watching and seeing what was happening, they started, hey, how do I get in on that? It said they enjoyed, it, they enjoyed the favor of other people because they looked around and said, these people, they might be weird. There may be something strange about them, but look at what they do. Look at how they help each other. Look at how they love each other. And people wanted in on that. I met a guy yesterday in my neighborhood for the very first time. Never met him. He's an older guy. If you're here, sir, I'm sorry I called you an older guy, but he's like 75 years old, okay? So to somebody that's older. So I met him, and, and we were just talking, and it turns out uh, when he told me where he worked, I knew somebody else at LifePoint that worked there. So I said, hey, do you know this person? And he was like, yeah, I know him. He's a great guy. 
How do you know him? I said, well, I go to church with him. Where do you go to church? Life Point Church on Durant Road. He was like, Life Point Church? And he got real excited. Real. My wife and I were just driving by there a few Sundays ago saying, that church got something going on. There's a cop out there letting people out. There's cars, every, there's cars everywhere. And he was trying to say, I see people and cars and activity, this thing that sprung up called Life Point Church that he had never heard about before. And he was like, we got to come and check that out. And he goes, who's the preacher? And then he, I said, well, you know, and I didn't really, he goes, well, is he a good preacher? And, and he said, because I got to go to a church where there's a good preacher. And I was like, well, you just need to kind of come check it out. You know, you just need to, you know, finally I told him, I said, it's me. And he goes, get it, it's not you. I said, yes, it's me. And I would love it if you could come and, and you can make that decision when you come. And he said, I'm going to come. I'm going to go back in the house. I'm going to tell my wife and I'm coming to your church. So something, he saw a buzz and it was just people moving about on the street out there, in the parking lot. He saw the building being built, and he was like, I want in on that. I want to go be a part of that. That's what was going on in the first century. People were saying, what, what are those 3,000 people loving each other, helping each other? They have unity around this idea that Jesus actually rose from the dead. What do I, how do I get in on that? And the last thing we can observe about the church from this short little section of scripture is that the church is a community that welcomes everyone when the church is the church people are added by God to the church he said that it says that they were the church that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved that's what was going on on a daily basis basis people wanted to be a part of it see people want to be at the core of who we are we want to be a part of something bigger than us right we want to belong that's why I, I read an article not too long ago about kids and gangs especially in inner cities kids don't enter gangs because they want to be rebels they don't enter into gangs primarily so they can do drugs sell drugs kill people cause trouble that's not why they do that they enter into a gang because they desperately want to belong. And gangs do a pretty good job at bringing people in, especially young men, and making them feel like I belong and I'm significant and I count for something. People want to be a part of that. You teenagers, you know better than any of us at school, there's a group for this and a group for that and a group for that. And everybody's kind of in their own little group and they find this place. And it's not that they set out and said, well, I want to be a part of that and do like that and act like that. It's not that. They just desperately want to belong. And so you have people saying, how can I get in on that? Because I see something that I want to be a part of where I think I can belong. That's what the church should be doing. And unfortunately, in our culture, the church, the big C church, the universal church has become known for what the church is against instead of what the church is for. The church should be for letting people hear the message of Christ. No matter what they do in their life, no matter what kind of life they live, come on in. And if there's ever a church that said, oh, your kind can't come here, it ceases to be the church. Because Jesus never did that. He brought people to him that were doing things that he didn't agree with, were doing things that were sinful, but he still had this ability to pull people to him, and that's the same ability that he's given the church. 
And when the church builds walls based on, well, we're against this and this and this, then every time I see that, I think, oh, you're so missing it. I don't care how big your church is, you're missing it. You're causing more people to miss it. This past week, several of us were at this uh, church planners conference. There's like four or 5,000 people there that want to plant churches. It's a big yearly thing that we're all a part of. And, and this one guy speaking got up and said all, to all these church planners, please don't go plant churches that the rest of us have to apologize for. I was like, That's, I'm, a, I'm writing that down. So this first century church would have been a church where no matter what kind of life somebody was leading, they would have felt welcome. At some point, yes, there would have been, hey, you need to change and you need to become more like Christ, but the grace of God will do more to change people than any like do and don'ts that you can give them. So first let somebody know the grace and goodness of God. That will change them more than anything you say you're against. And God created the church for that to be the hands and feet and mouthpiece of Christ on earth. For us to live in a community that lets us come with our mistakes and our sin and our hangups and hurts and find a place to belong. And when that happens, by nature, by nature, the church is there. When people who follow Christ, when people who understand they're forgiven by His grace, when they come together to make a difference in the world and to worship God, the church exists. So this person that we bring from the first century to here and say, what do you think? They would say, well, where's the church? What they would be looking for is a group of people who are loving like no one else, who are forgiving like no one else, who are dealing with the mess-ups in their life like no one else. And doing all of that because of the grace of Jesus Christ, they would say, there's the church. Finally, I found it. It's not in a building. It's not in a set of doctrines. It's in people's hearts who are fully committed to following Christ. Is it okay to expect to get something when you come to church? Sure it is. Is it okay to expect me to say something that's going to motivate you and help you take a next step? Absolutely it is. Is it okay for us to try to communicate in different ways to speak to every kind of learner in here? Yes, it's okay. But what's not okay is for you just to stay there and think it's all about me getting what I want. It's all about me just getting, get, the music better be good today. Not too loud, not too soft so I can hear myself or my neighbor singing, but not too loud to hurt my ears. It's just gotta be right in the middle. It's okay to say those things, but if you live in that, you will never grow. You will never get beyond that. And people who I see stay there, they're still asking for their diaper to be changed. And God says, that's not the church. The church is where people come together and they're generous together. They do life together and they try to learn and apply my teachings together. And that's the picture in the story that Luke paints of the first century church a group of people that loved so deeply that people were attracted to the idea that Jesus Christ could radically change their life. And just a few chapters later, after what we just read, one of the disciples, a few of the disciples were told, stop speaking about Jesus. You have too many people following you. This couldn't be good. And their response was this. We cannot stop telling about everything 
we have seen and heard. When the church is the church, people are attracted to it. And all their sin and all their mistakes. And when the church is the church, you should feel at home. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're mixed up in, you should feel a place that can help you get from where you are to where God wants you to be in a loving, gracious, and radically life-changing way. That's the church. Let's pray. God, thank you for this example of your idea for the church. Thank you for making it so clear how we're to be the, the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Christ on earth. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.